You're listening to WKXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. Welcome back to the show. Jeff Feingold, editor over at the New Hampshire Business Review to talk about the latest in New Hampshire business news. Welcome back. Great to see you, AJ. So let's start off with a little bit of a congratulations to uh, Dr. <laughs> Jeff Feingold. <laughs> <laughs> Honorary doctor. Honorary doctor, but no one needs to know that lie, that little specific bit. But but that that's really cool. Although I wouldn't mind being able to give people va- I wouldn't mind being able to give people vaccines, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> um, I mean, what was that like uh, receiving that at Granite State College? Is probably their last commencement as Granite State College because of the upcoming merger with the University yeah, of uh, New Hampshire Manchester. Well, yeah, I, I have a I have a pretty long relationship with Granite State. I, I taught there for several years. And I really admire it. It's a really, really good institution. It's, it, 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 it attracts non-traditional students that had, you know, older students, people who are, who are trying to further their careers, trying to get back on track, trying to achieve some kind of dream that they've always had. And it, it's really cool. And uh, I was delivered a commencement address and they called me, they gave me and sent me an email. I said, they want to do this. I said, are you sure you're sending this to the right person? <laughs> so they said, no, that's what we want to, we want to give it to you. So it was a lot. Of, it was great. It was great. I, 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 it was a f- never thought that I would be doing something like that in my life. So it was, I assume it's once in a lifetime. So. It is definitely. That's so cool. Congratulations on that for sure. And Thank you very much. Yeah. We'll be uh, tracking what happens to Granite State College in the coming months. I'm a university employee of well-known on, yeah. on my shows and to, to see the transitions going on, will be uh, really interesting. Hopefully the university can get a little more in the know when it comes to online ed through this. Yeah, exactly, because they've been really excelling at that, and and really they attract a a a, a student who is not, doesn't necessarily get attracted to the other uh, university system colleges, and it really serves a very vital need. It's been doing it for fifty years in in the state, and it it's it's going to continue. It just I hope that they just. You know, if it ain't broke, you know what I mean? Exactly. That's, that's always my concern. I, I, I love working for the university, but yeah, please, please guys, let's make this work. Well, I got my degree now. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Everyone's good. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move over to uh, some latest news that you actually wrote about. Uh, we're recording on June 2nd. The article came out on NHBR.com. The state's moving ahead with a $100 million uh, youth detention center settlement fund. Uh, can you give a little background on what this, what initiated this? Well, first of all, I, I, the byline's wrong. That's by uh, Anne Marie Timmons of Oh, it uh, is. I was, I was so confused because I was reading it. It's like, this looks like the same I, article on the that's, bulletin. That's a, that's a mistake made by uh, the editor, who shall remain <laughs> nameless. Yes. That was me. But I'll fix that right now. But anyway, uh, yeah, what happened? It's been something. If I'm not sure if people are aware of this, but the, uh, the state, uh, it was revealed, has uh, had a had a – very serious uh, problem going on at the, at the youth development center. It's called the Sununu Center in Manchester, which is, you know, been the place where they send kids who have issues with the law or in various, you know, they, they have they they kids who uh, can't be handled by other parts of the system. And apparently, there was a long range, really, uh, frighteningly. I don't, I don't know if it was organized, but it just, it, it was, it, it, there was a system, systematic abuse, physical and sexual abuse of uh, these, let's be honest, what they were, t- children by employees of the, of the YDC over a long period of time. 
and uh, it finally came to light and within the last year or so. And uh, the legislature said, let's let's basically let's take it. Let's get put an end to this because we they they obviously believe the stories and they know that this is very a dire situation. So they voted for some fund that is going to be capped at one hundred million dollars and provide uh, like if they had I think one hundred and fifty thousand dollar max for someone who suffered physical abuse and one and a half million for someone who suffered sexual abuse. Um, and uh, they it pretty much sailed through the legislature. But throughout the whole period, uh, advocates, victims, advocates, and also the attorney attorneys representing several of the or many of the uh, of the of the plaintiffs say this is just not enough, and it's kind of like the, the an attempt by the state to sweep this under the rug by getting it over with as fast as possible, by coming up with this you know what seems like a lot of money, but it is possible that in the court system the state would be liable for much much more and. Um, it's also, I mean, it's possible that quite a few, quite a number of people will, uh, of the victims will take this money, but it's also possible that quite a few won't, and the state will still be stuck with, uh, with litigation going forward for what probably will be years. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it's a very, it's a very uh, difficult place for the state to, to meet in the middle when it comes to yeah. making sure that this doesn't end up years and years years in the courts, taking forever to sort out, which we've seen countless times across the country yeah. with incidents like this, versus um, give paying out a decent amount of money to make it. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, some the Catholic kind of compensation. Yeah, the Catholic Church isn't the, isn't the best model for this at this point. I mean, you talk about diocese and archdiocese settling, but you know, the church itself is not the institution itself is is not been. It's been kind of owning up to some of the abuse uh, over the over the decades, but uh, you know I, I'm thinking of the uh, Boy Scouts of America, which yeah. went bankruptcy because of the the potential liability, and I'm assuming the state's not in that position to declare bankruptcy over this. I hope that would not be a wise decision, but uh, it it the, the potential is uh, is very large in this because the abuse was just. It's terrible. It was terrible. What the, what was going on at the hands? What was going on to these children at the hands of, of these people who were supposed to be taking care of them? Um, and it seems like it might be the final chapter in this. But I'm knowing at least one of the attorneys, David Vincenzo, was a former U.S. attorney, a very tough dude and really really good lawyer. He's he put, has put out statements consistently and testified before the legislature that this was not going to be enough. So. So this will, yeah, take, this will take most that, likely take for that what you will. <laughs> exactly. It most likely means this, this will be continuing for a while. And yeah, it's it, which for for the victims of this, I mean, it, you can't blame them one way or another deciding to to continue with this to make sure that the state yeah. pays literally for for what happened at that yeah. at this facility. I mean, yeah. how many facilities like this are there even in the state? This is the only one. Wow. The only one that's run by the state of New Hampshire. And it's it's been uh, my, my wife was a special ed teacher for many, many years. And uh, a few of her students, well, a few of, students of, that, of her students personally and students at, at the schools where she worked ended up going to the YDC. But I would say the percentage was pretty small. Mm-hmm. It was you know, kids who maybe were violent who had really, really just to call them they had home lives is, is an exaggeration. You know, they just were 
it just it, their lives were just a mess. So they end up in the system and for various reasons end up in the YEC. But they, the state's not using that anymore. I mean, it really doesn't use that as a system anymore because it's it's it hasn't been proven to work too well. Obviously, we know now know why. Yeah. In a lot in a, in a more, more big portion. I mean, institutionalizing children like that is probably not the best idea. Actually, it isn't the best idea. It's a pretty bad idea. Looking it's back on it, it's just storing them away so that they're not exactly. causing problems for others. Yeah. So, so it's this is this is gonna be the legacy of the YDC, of what the Youth Center Development Center, whatever you want to call it, uh, for the you know for, for forever. Mm-hmm. Is that this is what happened there? And how did the Sununu name end up attached to? Is they just named named it after they, him, or was they named it after they, they named it after Governor John, uh, John Sununu? Okay. Uh, the governor, I believe, had played a role in. I can't. Uh, some getting old. early organization. And he played a role, played a role in, in, in changing some things over there, and they yeah. they, they wanted to name this after him. I, I personally would say, take my name off. I, know. Like, I don't want my name yeah. on it. But. Especially now, it's just I know in it. hindsight. That's I know that's it. Horrible, but. All right, let's move over to a uh, constant theme of the last year, basically, housing in the state of New Hampshire, which is it's still in the same horrific state it's been since we started having this conversation. It's gotten worse, most likely, when you really look at look at what's going on. Um, but it looks like there was a survey that San Anselm put out and finds 69% uh, support allowing developments in their community. Yeah, you know, first of all, I, I, I know you're the host, but I have to take a minute to, to amend what you were saying. Yeah, it hasn't been going on for a year. It's been going on for at least, as my count, decades that we've yeah. been talking about housing shortages in New Hampshire. It's more recently talked about housing crisis. I'd say that was in the last four or five years. So mm-hmm. as a housing crisis, yeah, but the shortage has been developing, and nothing was really done to address it. So now we are in a legitimate crisis. But uh, you know, I know I know we've talked about this. That one one of the one of the attempts to solve this issue was to uh, try to incentivize communities to change their zoning because restrictive zoning is one of the problems in, in helping to in, in in for developers try to develop affordable housing for people they the costs are too high under restrictive zoning in many cases in many cases they're not even allowed to even propose something and they put all kinds of restrictive heights like uh, uh, restrictions on like height the height of the building the number of number of units can be in the building all this kind of stuff and um which is not actually uh required it's not they're not required necessarily of like housing for uh seniors 55 plus housing so that's a, that's another matter we could talk to but that that's but if in terms of affordable housing for regular folks younger people with families or individuals it's very the, the vacancy rate is about 0.0 nine or six percent it doesn't there's no vacancy rate it's impossible yeah uh so the let so the house in its infinite wisdom gutted this bill that would have tried to incentivize communities so this 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 poll came out after the vote and uh they found that you know people in those communities actually in large measure support allowing affordable housing in their communities <laughs> 69% of people who responded said they at some they, they favor it either strongly or, or favor it just in general the concept that yes they should be house, affordable housing in my community and some people in the particular neighborhood they say it should be affordable housing uh but it's just an issue that's just you know talk about trying to sweep things under the rug they didn't even try to sweep it under the rug they just poured it on top of the rug yeah pretty much it, and it, it's, uh, it's it's not it's it's not a good situation where I mean the governor's Oh, unveiled this Invest NH fund, 
which is going to have, I'm sure it'll make a dent in it, but mm-hmm. the dent when you're talking about a vacancy rate so low, it's like, I think the national vacancy rate is about 5% for rental housing. And we're at 0.06 or 0.09. It's a very, very unhealthy situation. It makes it absolutely impossible to, to bring in younger workers that want to start careers and stay exactly. in the state a long time. It causes a disparity where you have too many older individuals in the state that don't have the support services they need over time. And all the new people to come in to take over the future of all the many businesses that are in the state. I mean, it, it, it's being personally like my rent shooting up just gangbusters this year same with mine mine. and i know someone that's a a local uh local apartment owner that this just his side gig that he had he does on the side and he he has to now raise it like he's held off as long as he can and he's like i don't know how people are able to afford it but i don't really have much of a choice yeah and inflation is making this much much worse and it's making it's making a dire situation even more dire because uh you know if you live on the edge, if you're paying, uh, actually we have on our we have a podcast down to business and Phil Sletton of the Fiscal Policy Institute was on, and he was talking about as a large percentage of people, you know, the the the, the people at the lowest income who are renters, they often pay fifty percent or more of their income to rent. That's it. That's before they can get food, before they can get you know, yeah, you can pay for electricity or a heat. car so you can commute to Anything. a better paying job. 50%. Like... And, uh, you know, if, if your rent goes up 10, 15% and you can't afford it, what happens to you? What's your option? It's homelessness. Yeah. And we're seeing this more and more that there are people who you never would think who never in their lives thought they'd be homeless, but they're living on the brink of homelessness because of the situation we're in. Yeah, and it's going to cause a lot more people to move in back in with their parents. It's bad enough for the millennial generation with everything that's happened in the with the post two thousand eight. Um, yeah, all the student loans that they're saddled with. A student loan forgiveness is a whole other subject entirely. That obviously is important to the situation, but um, I mean, how are they going to be able to move up? They're going to be pushed even further behind, especially in in this state where. Like, like for me, like I'm extremely fortunate in my situation, but but it's tight. Like, like there, there's nowhere yeah. else to go ultimately. Exactly. Yeah, actually, I was talking. I, I, uh, we owned the house for the years, but we moved from New London to Manchester a few years ago, and we rent an apartment in a great spot in the mill yard. You know, a really nice apartment. It's definitely market rate. It's not, you know, it, it's you know, paying. We were paying a lot of money, but our lease got was up, and we got a. Our, our lease proposal, which uh, was over 15% increase in our rent. And the number was like, whoa. And the first thing my wife and I said, well, maybe we should look for another place to live. Well, that's a fantasy. Yeah. You couldn't find another place to live. Like you we tried. Find- that, was, that, was, that was somewhat equivalent to where we are. And there was nothing we could find that would cost the same amount. There were ones that, we, that were even more money. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, I mean, we were lucky to say, okay, we'll just deal with this. You know, we weren't going to say we can't afford to live here. But, 
you know, I can just imagine what it's like if you get a fifteen percent increase. What what do you do there? What do you I, do? I mean, anecdotally, and I mean, the only other places out there that are really opening up all these like beautiful condos that are getting opened up all over the place. But you're talking twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars a month for some of exactly. these two bedroom places. If you have a family, exactly. it's disincentivizing exactly. families from staying in the state. I mean, they're going to go down to exactly. Boston. It's expensive down there, but there's higher paying jobs. Yeah, I mean the, the housing situation is not that great in Massachusetts either. No, yeah. But uh, but you know the the thing is that there, there there's some places where there is some housing available, but the jobs aren't there. Mm-hmm. It's relatively speaking, compared to the southern part of the state, it's probably a little easier to find a spot, a place up in the North Country, although it's still tight. Mm-hmm. But but where are the jobs? What, you get to commute from uh, from Pittsburgh to go to go to work in Manchester or Nashville? No, you're not going to. It's not. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, I'd love to live in Conway. It's beautiful up there. I really don't want to commute for two hours a day each way. Yeah. Well, Conway also has a very serious multifamily housing because that's another aspect of this is that, you know, in terms of uh, workers in the in the hospitality industry, mm-hmm. if you, you know, ski areas and restaurants and hotels, all that stuff up there. Yeah, you know, they they're not getting the highest pay, and with the rents going up, it's hard to find a place. And because there's a shortage, like in a place like the Mount Washington Valley, which is a very nice area, there's there's just no options there. I don't know what the vacancy rate is, but I'm sure it's very very low there too. And and I know that uh, 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 employers in that area are get are getting together to try to figure out a way to solve to solve this. Because I think there's been a disconnect for years between people, elected leaders on a local and state level, truly understanding what this means as an economic problem. Mm-hmm. It's not just a matter of saying, I want, you know, if we don't want these kind of people in our, in our community or whatever. Well, you know something, even in New London, they're coming to realization. New London has been one of the most restrictive communities in the state when it comes to zoning restrictions, you know, with minimum lot sizes that are just crazy and other restrictions. And there was a panel just a week or so ago with the major employees, the college, the hospital, and others were basically saying we need to do something. Our employees need to work to live in the community to, so they can live, so they can work here. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. especially and added with that, if the if the rent is just stupid high for the limited amount of housing that's there, it means they got to pony up even more for salaries yeah, exactly. for employees that exactly. ultimately aren't necessarily worth spending six figures on because they're just doing just it desktop the, or something like that the only real multi-family housing in new london which i'm familiar with i lived there for 35 years is you know uh, over 65 place mm-hmm. places over 65 and uh of 55 and, and you know that's not who we're talking about that's not the people who's you know who's who's putting in your catheter you know exactly that's not the people doing it yeah and there, it's it's so limited like the like these used to be called trailer parks, but they're more modular home yeah. uh, facilities. Oh, like there's, oh, there's restrictions. There's restrictions on that. So in like New London, they never let that stuff in there. Exactly. And it's, yeah. it's more affordable. And yeah. All right, and right. I don't mean to pick on New London, but there are, it's very much a model of other communities around the state. I can go down the list for you if you want, but there's well, many. It's good to, to spread outside of just picking on Manchester, which we usually do. So yeah, New, New London right. can get it a little bit then. And oh, no, I make fun of Concord plenty. Yeah, but the thing is that Manchester, at least compared to statewide, they have a big variety of housing. It's yeah. unfortunate there's not enough of it. Exactly. That's the problem with Manchester. There's not enough of it. In other places, there's just none available because they've never, they've never provided that kind of housing or allowed it. 
All right, Jeff Feingold, editor over the New Hampshire Business Review. Thank you so much for joining me. Great talking with you, AJ. NHB, NHBR.com. If you want to get the latest from them, sign up for everything they have on their site. This is WKXL in the morning. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. We'll be right back after this.